0: Putting away money for retirement, since I'm not going to be doing this podcast forever. Sorry, I guess I could, but retirement is huge for me. I am deeply focused on it right now. And planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Taxes are a doozy, and it's always changing. How do you know what to do? Listen to Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.
1: You got problems that you
0: ought to be concerned with. Boobah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one who your hidden financial fears with a black sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabby Dunn. Hello, it's Gabby Dunn, and this is Bad with Money. I have a great life. I do. Now, maybe I'm not so great at managing my finances, but I'm never not grateful for my life on the whole. I mean, I'm an openly queer woman and I live in Los Angeles, California. That being said, there's this other region of the world that I wonder about a lot. Year after year, Finland, Norway, Sweden, Switzerland, those countries in Northeast Europe are ranked as the happiest places in the world. And I like to read these happiest country in the world lists and dream. Like, damn, I'm grateful and I'm never going to dismiss all of that, but what is going on over there? Why are those people so goddamn happy? And why is the U.S. never in the top 10? This year it ranked 19th, falling from 18th last year. You guys could have predicted we fell. (laughs) Before we jump into this episode, I'm going to make a wild prediction. The Finnish, Norwegian, Swiss, and Swedish people aren't as stressed about money. Student loans aren't a thing. People can afford rent, groceries, healthcare, all of it. Like, they're not as worried about money in general. That has got to be a factor in the happiness equation. But I guess we'll see if I'm wrong. So first, I'm going to call my friend Kate Jones. She's a Vietnamese-American writer and performer living in Switzerland. Hello? Hey, Kate, it's Gabby. So, Kate, can you tell
2: my audience uh, who you are and what you do and where you're calling from? Sure. Uh, My name is Kate Jones. I have two jobs. I am a voice actor and performance artist, and then I'm also a uh, director of communications, usually, and a speechwriter for a lot of executives. And I'm calling from Switzerland.
0: So where have you lived internationally other than Switzerland?
2: So I moved – I left New York City in 2013, and I moved to London, and I lived in London for four years. Mm -hmm. And two years ago, I moved to Switzerland.
0: So, okay, so why do people think, like me, people like me, why do they think that Switzerland is one of the happiest places in the world? In 2019, in the World Happiness Report, it was ranked sixth place. So why do people have this idea, do you think, of Switzerland as being just, like, idyllic and also... Uh, is that true?
2: Well, it's really beautiful. Uh, it's a very gorgeous country. So just driving between uh, Geneva and where I live in Lausanne, you know, you drive along the lake and you can see Avian where the water comes from. You see mountains, you can see the Swiss Alps. Um, you know, they're skiing in the winter. In the summer, there's long hikes with your dog in the woods. Um, and you uh, like everyone is paid a living wage. That probably helps. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I might've mentioned this to you. It's, it's a kind of a socialist country, but for some reason that's like on the down low. Uh, so people don't, um, know, like you live here and if, even if you work at a grocery store, if you if you manage the local grocery store, which is not a big shop, you might make like 80 to a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, and the Swiss franc and the dollar are one-to-one just for, so that you know that if I say it's $7 here or seven francs here at $7 is the same. Yeah. So um, you're paid a living wage here. Everyone has health care, uh, but it's it's private. So it's the same structure wise as in the U.S. where you would pay for it yourself, um, but it's required legally. Yeah. Like you can you can say that you need time off because you have um, maybe mental health issues or you just need a break. And burnout is a is a claim that people can make medically and then they get time off and they're paid for it. I mean, there's loads of great things about Switzerland. Obviously, the pay, the outdoorsy stuff, but um, they don't have gay marriage here, and uh, you know, the racism it exists here. Sure, um, right. There's loads of other things that are, it's just uh, more. It feels like it's more hidden than it is in the states.
0: Uh oh, the like the racism and the homophobia.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because everyone has so much money, they're like, well, if you're rich, it's fine.
0: <laughs> ah. So that's that's what I'm wondering. Like, so how, how is how come everyone is paid a living wage? Like, how, how is that possible?
2: Well, for um, just to understand like how small the country is, it's 8 million people. So it's basically the population of Manhattan,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: except we're in an area the size of like Connecticut and Massachusetts. And I think with with that size, um, you know, you you can do a lot more things because it's, it's a much smaller community you have to pay for. So I'm on unemployment right now because I stopped working as of August 1st and um, unemployment caps out at one hundred and forty four thousand francs a year. Um, so that's the most you can make if you are a person who doesn't have kids, if Mm -hmm. you have kids, it's slightly higher because they know that you have to, you have other mouths to feed. Um, so like you can do that if, sorry, you can get it for up to two years also. Um, so you can can get
0: unemployment for two years. That's like bigger than most people's salaries here.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What? Yeah. And you get like services. You can, you can have a therapist while you're on it. If you like need help, you know, getting back into the workforce and you can take courses on how to interview. Um, I can take French or Italian or German right now, if I want to, to help me better prepare for my next role. Like there's, there's loads of benefits cause they don't, you know, they don't want you to just take any job. They want you to get a job that will make you feel fulfilled. So you take your time to find your next job.
0: Okay, so how expensive is is it to live like rent or buying groceries or it's it's a different correlation because things that might sound expensive, like when you pair it with like, well, everyone's salary is $200,000 a year. It's like it's going to shake out like basically the same, right? Yeah,
2: I think, uh, I think that's right. Because I think, um, you know, if you're a grocery store manager and you have a family and you make, you know, between eighty dollars and $100,000 a year, I think there's there's a couple of like behavior differences that I see. So one is that people don't throw food away. So you buy groceries basically the day that you need them or you buy them for mm-hmm. two days. So you wouldn't buy like in the States, we go shopping, I think once a week, most people um, mm-hmm. most people go. But here it's like every other day you go or every day you go. Um, so yeah, you're more aware. No, that's not a thing that happens here. Yeah. Um, There's no target. There's no way to accidentally spend $200 on some stuff you didn't need. And, uh, I was in the (sighs) store today and I was looking at like the, the section of like Halloween decorations is tiny. It's like one rack and there's like, kids can pick (laughs) two costumes. You can be a pumpkin or you can be like a pirate and that's it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, is it easy for for foreigners to get jobs in Switzerland? Like, what are the most common jobs that you that you know of?
2: So, it's actually it's super difficult to get a job uh, anywhere outside the U.S. if you don't have the passport for the country that you're going to. Or like here, if you have an EU passport, you're okay. Uh-huh. Um, it's this because of how difficult it is to get a job in the U.S. if you're a foreign national. So um, if you've ever tried to get a job um, and you're outside of the U.S., you have to basically demonstrate you are the only person qualified to do that job and that you have recruited aggressively in the U.S. to find someone locally who can do that job. So mm. there's, a, there's a reciprocity with a lot of the countries. They do the same thing. So you have to be you have to demonstrate with your CV that you are the best person possible to do that job.
0: And it's a, it's kind of a, it's kind of based on how we're treating foreign nationals in the U.S. Yeah. too? Uh-oh. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> um, cool. So when you went to, from the, from New York, when you went to London, when you went to Switzerland, did you notice a difference in, in just even how people thought about money or how people talked about money?
2: Definitely. My first moment where I like understood how different things were was uh, like in New York, someone would comment on my outfit once a day. Like the women I worked with would be like, oh, I love your dress or I love your Mm -hmm. necklace or, you know, like we just talked about what we were wearing. And in London, I went four months before someone mentioned that I was wearing clothes like at all. (laughs) And at some point I was like, does everyone just hate my style? Like, what is the problem? But um, they don't like you don't have to keep refreshing your wardrobe people have like a bunch of outfits they wear to work and they're sort of interchangeable, but you see the same outfits. Like it's, you know, sometimes you hear that women can't do what men do, which is just change their shirt and tie and like wear the same suit, but you kind of can in the UK. So. Oh, cause that's you, your you work know, you, clothes. Yeah, exactly.
0: And what, how, what's the deal in Switzerland?
2: Uh, in Switzerland? Well, all the places I have um, done work in Switzerland have been business casual. Mm-hmm. So it's not really been an issue. Yeah, it's also not an issue. So there's just less, way less like, and like I've not gone shopping with friends in either country.
0: We've never not a thing.
2: No, no. Well, like in the UK, you go to the pub, like you hang out all day, you play board games, um, and you could be there for like hours with your friends. Um, But it's I hadn't experienced anyone being like, oh, I really like, will you come with me to this to shops? Mm. Not a thing.
0: What's the difference in how people think about money in Switzerland?
2: Like the clubs I joined here, which were English speaking, were all um, like, uh, you know, hiking or mm-hmm. knitting or like things that were that were cheap and free. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just I feel like in Switzerland is more of a like a saving culture. There's less consumerism in that way. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so what I mean, what, uh, we also are talking a bit about like work culture. So in order for what Swi- you're saying, like Switzerland is, you know, if we go on Switzerland is so happy and you talked about like the the, you know, focusing on betterment, uh, with like taking language classes, focusing on, um, mental health and like paying, actually paying people for unemployment and the way that people are able to say like, oh yeah, I'm, I just need some time off. Cause I'm, I'm having like a, a little bit of depression or whatever. Like does the, that work culture, it's, it's different than in the U S right. So like, what is the work culture like? Is it just more, um, humane? <laughs>
2: In Switzerland, I didn't have I didn't have the most humane experience at the company that I worked for. I think it, it was a really intense work environment, but I was in a global headquarters. Mm-hmm. So um, I think for other companies, it is slightly more humane and more reasonable. Um, I think most people would get into work between eight and nine and leave between five and six. Mm-hmm. Um oh, I did think this was uh strange coming from the UK. People go home after work in Switzerland because they want to see their family like they're really excited to see their kids whereas in the UK, I always felt there was this tone of like I'm gonna drink at the pub so I don't have to see my family <laughs> really um, yeah, that was definitely the tone. Um, so in the like in Switzerland, um you know the I think the minimum number of vacation days you can have is 20. Mm-hmm. Um the EU is 28 days I think. So um in the UK right now it's it's 28 days. So those are things that you get just as benefits plus in the UK I think they have nine bank holidays and Switzerland has about the same. So um you end up with like you know 30, 30 something days each year that you're you're able to take off. Wow.
0: Uh, just in terms of of trying to understand like moving because I th- moving to another country because I think like part of this season is sort of I think this idea that people, I mean, I'm sure Americans, when you come and visit and you say, oh, I live in Switzerland, I'm sure Americans act like you've done something monumental, like, ho- holy shit, you don't live in the U.S.? Like, that's crazy. Is it? Was it that hard to move to another country and transition? Like, what was the mental journey of like, okay, now I have to understand how to pay bills here and how to like do things here? Or was it just like, you just live somewhere and then you live there?
2: uh it's so i i was very lucky because i i was transferred for both roles on corporate contracts and um that means that i didn't i mean first i would say i You should know that it took me five years to find someone to sponsor me for a visa. I was trying so hard to get a job overseas Mm -hmm. um, because every literally every person in my family, I'm my mom's Vietnamese, my sister and my mom are both born in Vietnam, my dad and my my dad's gay. So he and his partner uh, from my childhood, they both lived abroad. Like Mm -hmm. I was literally the only person in my family who hadn't lived abroad. And I tried so aggressively and it took five years for me to get a company to sponsor me. Um, And I worked at HSBC for three years before they did. Mm -hmm. Um, And like with that package, though, you get. You know, they help you set up your bank account. They help you find an apartment. They help you, like, get your, you know, your gas and your heat turned on so that, Uh you know, you've got all the infrastructure set up and your internet and all of that. Um, And then they also give you, and this happened in Switzerland as well, they give you a person to help you understand the cultural norms. Because that's really, yeah, that's really the hardest part um, is, like, assimilating into how people behave. So in the UK, you've probably heard this. They have like queuing culture. Everyone stands in a queue, even though there's sometimes no reason why you're standing in a queue. Um, (laughs) People will tell you to come around to their house anytime, but they don't mean it. Like you're not supposed to just go to someone's house. (laughs) Um, Whereas in the States, like I've definitely had people just pop by and say like, oh, hey, I'm outside. And, you know, like they come up or whatever. You don't do that in the UK. Um, (laughs) Yeah. There's in Switzerland, there's... um, there's noise ordinances, so you can't make sounds like you can't have a party past 10 p.m. You can't really play your television loudly. Um, in some places you can't flush your toilet because it's it's disruptive to your neighbors. So between 10 p.m. and 7 a.m., you have to be really conscious about how much sound you make here in Switzerland. And that was like part of my cultural training here.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah, that's that's smart. <laughs> so what? So okay, so in terms of that stuff, like so what tips? you know, would you give someone who is considering like moving and making a living abroad and not like, you know, something you could, you could find online, but like, what's something you wish someone had told you before? Cause I know you were like jonesing, no pun intended to leave. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were like jonesing to get out of there, but like, which is also funny. And also like, probably it, it feels like exactly right at this point. Um, but like, what's, yeah. What's something that someone had, you wish someone had told you?
2: I wish someone had told me how hard it was going to be to make friends, Mm -hmm. honestly, Uh, because that's um, definitely the hardest part about moving abroad. You end up with a lot of um, because like people in the UK, part of the reason. um, So I always felt like in New York that um, you're you you change friends by sort of like where you are in the world, where you are income wise, like what your hobbies are. You sort of like, you move through friend groups and you might not have the same friends in five years that you had, you know, five years ago or even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And in the UK, they retain their friends from their, what is their equivalent, like their last year of high school. So they yeah. still see all of those people. It's, it's like part of the reason that they didn't experience the financial crash in 2008, the same way that we did, because they didn't have the like life in excess the way that New York's, New Yorkers did. So like bankers were surrounded by bankers as their friends. But like when you're in the UK and you're a banker, you still have that friend who works at a pub or something like that in your hometown.
0: Oh. So you
2: like you just and also like to be in the top 5% of earners in the UK, it's 70,000 pounds, which is only like a 100, $105,000 a year. And that puts you in the top 5% of earners. They don't have that like income craziness that you can see in the US
1: of mm-hmm. like how
2: wide the range is and what people get paid.
1: So, yeah. um,
2: yeah. So people still have their friends and they like really value those relationships. And then it, you know, just makes it really difficult to get in with someone who is actually English. So I ended I have so many expat friends now or like people from all over the world uh, because like, you know, you're all sort of just lost wandering around London trying to figure out who you could make friends with. Yeah. And in
0: Switzerland, it's like, is it I mean, you said you joined clubs. Like, is that how do you how are friendships there?
2: So Switzerland's also really hard cuz um, my French isn't great so like dating is really difficult. Um I had I've gone on dates where I've had to speak in French uh because the other person didn't speak any English. Ah. Um, but it's good that I have game in two languages now, so I'm pleased. Um, but uh yeah, <laughs> so um it's a lot harder here, but it makes the expat community a bit more um tight and close. And mm-hmm. um and the like the stand up community has also been really wonderful about immediately putting you forward for, for gigs all around Switzerland Aww. because there's so few there's so mm-hmm. few of us, especially like women who do stand up that like The connections are very strong and everyone's really kind and supportive.
0: Well, cool. So I guess, I guess, so Switzerland remains on my list and has earned its place as sixth happiest. Although you're right, because sixth happiest judging based on who? Straight white people, straight white people, probably. Probably. Fascinating. Uh, Well, I'll look into the racial makeup of Switzerland after we hang up and probably be upset.
2: There's a there's a, um there's a pretty solid Vietnamese community here because they took refugees in after the war. So yeah. there's great Vietnamese food here, um, but pretty much everyone's white. Well, OK,
0: well, that that goes on my list <laughs> of cons. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate it. Sure. Thanks, Gabby. Of course. No problem. Bye. So no gay marriage. That's a problem. Also, she's right. Who are they polling in these happiness polls? Okay, so we gotta take a quick break, but next I need to check in on Finland. Like, that's supposedly the happiest country in the whole world. So what does life and money look like there? Stick around, because I'm gonna get the answers. So, no gay marriage. That's a problem. Also, she's right. Who are they polling in these happiness polls? Is it only white citizens? But before this episode is over, I need to check in on Finland. Like, that is supposedly the happiest country in the whole world. So what does life and money look like in Finland? Actually, I want to get someone who can chat about the financial realities of other Nordic countries too, like Denmark, Sweden, Iceland. So we are going to call a journalist who covers all of that. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, is this Katie? Katie.
1: Yes, this is Kati here. Hiya, how Kati, are you? Kati,
0: yes, hello. Okay, cool. So, okay, so for my audience, can you just say a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Um, I'm the Helsinki bureau chief at Bloomberg News, which basically means that um, I cover any news out of Finland for the international audience. We look at a lot of um big companies on the Finnish stock exchange. You will have heard of Nokia who used to make the mobile phones. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll cover the economy, political developments, um, and that sort of thing.
0: Wow. So basically like Denmark, Finland, Norway, Sweden, all these northern European countries, they're always um deemed like these these super happy places to live. Why are you guys so happy? Isn't it cold? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is cold and it is dark. Um, <laughs> oh, however, dark too. Good, good, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the day at the shortest in Helsinki is five hours long. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it does get very, very dark here. Um, but to answer your question, um, why are these countries deemed the happiest? Um, the name actually comes from the United Nations Sustainable Development Solutions Network study that they do every year, and they rank countries um, based on, you know, things like uh, what the gross domestic product is, or how healthy life expectancy varies from country to country. Mm-hmm. Um, they look at corruption and. They also rank people, how people have been able to say whether they felt sad or whether they felt happy. And the the Nordic countries tend to score really high in this particular survey uh, to, to an extent because obviously they're fairly rich countries in terms of GDP per capita. Mm-hmm. But also the so, social structures and the government um, structures are very solid. There's very little corruption, um and it's kind of very easy to live your everyday life in one of these countries. There's a very strong social security um net that will catch you if you fall in a sense,
0: yeah, oh, wait, because Finland's ranked usually the happiest country it has been for like two years in a row wait so so in Finland specifically, like what do you mean by the the social safety net
1: well there's a lot of government support if you fall into hard times so you know fairly generous benefits like for unemployment or for um if you're just basically running out of money and you can't buy groceries Mm -hmm. there is a place you can go and you can ask to be you know given this benefit um there's a lot of, you know, education, you know, already that is, is funded by the taxpayer, sometimes called free. Obviously, it's not free, but um, uh, people who go to school don't pay for it or university even. So, you know, there's this this kind of this feeling that that you can't really fall into particularly hard times. There's always someone who will catch you, something, some structure built for that to happen. And. In a, because it is funded by the, or well, it's run by the government, mm-hmm. then it is exists for everybody. In the US, I guess a lot of that kind of work is done by a lot of charities, mm-hmm. churches. It's more on like a voluntary basis. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in Finland, it is funded by the tax money. So Obviously, that means that we pay high taxes. But, um, you know, people have felt maybe that that is... Um, a trade-off they're willing to, to accept.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what do you mean also by no corruption? I know that's the most American thing I can ask. I'm like, what, what is no corruption?
1: <laughs> well, that is also, corruption can vary uh, from country to country by what you mean by, it. you know, yeah. you can think of these sort of shady envelopes exchanging hands. Well, alternatively, it could be something that's a bit more hidden and not, overt Mm -hmm. you don't like pay somebody directly but what what corruption tends to be in Finland for example is maybe uh, it could be something like someone helping another person get a job Mm -hmm. and then not getting immediate payback for it but a couple of years later they'll remember and they'll help that guy some other way and it's kind of hidden Mm -hmm. it's kind of very very covert and that kind of corruption isn't perceived very clearly. Um, it doesn't come out into the open. And it's also whenever you have like international rankings of corruption, they don't tend to recognize that kind of corruption. But oh. Finns on the whole tend to tell to um, respond to, to every survey and find that, that they want to, to sort of see themselves as very honest. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they do these, these international surveys where if a wallet is forgotten on the street, how many people will turn it in mm-hmm. and how many people will keep it. And those Finns tend to always sort of rank very high in those. They, they'll they turn the wallet in um, rather than keep it. And the the numbers of people who pay taxes and the acceptance of, of paying taxes is very high. Yeah. So there's various kind of um,
0: what do you mean they're not like they're not they're not trying to like do tax evasion?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they will, you know, they'll they'll pay their taxes and they'll try not to hide the money. Yeah. On the whole, I mean when when they tax authorities kind of do spot checks and and you know
2: mm-hmm. audit
1: people, then they find usually that people have paid their taxes very dutifully. Wow,
0: cuz everyone here is just trying to hide their money as much as possible. <laughs> so wait okay so this is huge for me too because so so many things i feel like in the u.s could be fixed if everyone was just fine with raising taxes and like the way that you said that the Finns are like well this is um you know this is the type of social services that we believe in and that we want so we're fine being taxed for them um like why 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 do you think that they feel that way or why do you think that they they are so chill about it
1: In Finland, I guess it's it's very, to a large part, um, a a historical consequence. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the country worked itself out of complete poverty from being an agrarian nation in the 1930s um, to being, you know, at the top of the tech cycle in the 1990s. That's like two generations or less. Mm -hmm. Um, And built that whole welfare state in that time after the the second world war. So it's kind of, it was a national project. It was a national pride. And it was also part of this sort of national cohesion um, that the welfare state was built. It Mm -hmm. provided jobs and to pay for it. Okay, you were taxed, but at least, you know, you weren't going hungry. And people still at that time remembered, you know, their grandparents dying in famines, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you have that background and you think of why why people would accept those those taxes, that's how it sort of was built. And why did they accept those taxes now is because they see what that money brings. Now, having said this, obviously, there's a lot of people who think taxes are too high in Finland. It's it's a a debate, you know, here as well, where to draw that line exactly. Um, The country is suffering from a really huge demographic crisis. It has um, a very rapidly aging population and the people in their 30s and 40s, are tiny generations and they're having to pay for all of these pensioners and their healthcare and their pensions and their livelihoods. And, you know, so there's a big debate as well, whether we can, like, we'll have to pay those taxes, but the tax money will, will pay for a lot less services uh, in the future. And so the perception will be f- for people that they're paying all this money and meanwhile, everything is just getting worse. You know, conditions are getting worse.
0: Yeah, because the population the population is older, and the younger people aren't having children.
1: Or what's what's? Well, that's actually that's an actually an, a really interesting uh, point. Um, young people aren't having enough children. Uh, Finland recently um, did a population uh, forecast that said that the population is actually going to start shrinking Whoa. in twenty thirty one. That's you know a decade away when the population is going to start shrinking. So wow, it, it is for for sure, and no one really knows why. It's a huge debate as well. You know, is it your smartphones?
2: Is it your you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah,
1: yeah. Is it your rents? You know, is it what what's doing it? Is it is there just too much um, fun stuff to do nowadays? To
0: and people aren't getting know, married and having kids.
1: Exactly. People are waiting longer to decide whether they want to do it. You know, there's there's a, a lot of, you know, debate on what's causing it, and there's no consensus at the moment of what could be the reason.
0: Dude, there's so much I wanna ask, but we gotta take a quick break. We'll jump back into this interview in just a sec. A lot of um, income inequality, or is there a lot of poverty? I spoke to a friend of mine um, who lives in Switzerland, and she's a, a Vietnamese woman, and she's queer. And she was talking about how, like, you know, Switzerland is always ranked up there in the happiest countries, but they don't have gay marriage, and also, like, she's she's like, there's mostly white people. Um, so, do you, is there like a is it that the the people of Finland are mostly everyone's kind of middle class, or is there a lot of sort of uh, inequality?
1: Well, I, there's not a lot of in, inequality in in a sort of international sense. If you look at the um, income differentials, mm-hmm. Finland tends to rank among those with the lowest, and they're not actually growing either. So the rich aren't getting that much richer here. Oh, like you always hear about the U.S. You know, the one percent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not really. If you really look at the numbers in Finland, that's that's not happening having said that there are a lot of poor people as well because while the the benefit system may seem generous mm-hmm. it's just about enough to to keep you sort of from falling into abject poverty but it's it's not enough to to give you a comfortable middle class lifestyle right you know so there will be a lot of people who don't have maybe who will have to think about, you know, what to buy at the grocery store to make their you know, money stretch the whole month. And, um, you know, so there's not a, there's not a lot of homelessness here in terms of people sleeping on the streets. Mm-hmm. I believe um, I just wrote a story about this um, not too long ago, um, and I think it was about 500 people in Finland live on the streets. Like oh. literally sleep outside. Oh, wow. That's a very small amount. That's a very small number. Maybe about 7,000 people are homeless in the sense that they don't have an apartment or a home of their own. But most of them will sleep on, you know, the sofas of friend, friends sure. and family or find, you know, or shelter. Wow. Um, but it's been a concerted effort over at least a decade to build more housing for people who need it. And and it's it was an interesting concept in the sense that they decided that to help the homeless what they first needed was a home it it wasn't you know well, no. but sometimes you see they think think of it as a more of like a, a lot of programs to help the homeless are designed as a a um where the home is it's a prize at the end mm-hmm of a, you know you have to take all of these steps you have to get clean you have mm-hmm. to you know stay clean and at the end there is this prize and that can be really hard and they so they decided to do it the other way around. you don't have to get clean you you can get the home and then you get the other help that you need once you're in your home and you have a safe place
0: Uh-oh, and that which probably works is very super well. helpful yeah it absolutely probably works much better, yeah. Um, on a day to day, like, are people, are people super consumerist in Finland? Is there like a lot of showy wealth? Or is it mostly, um, is it mostly just like, yeah, we just want to be able to afford
1: what we can afford? No, you hide your money. Uh, Really? (laughs) Yeah, 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 it's, 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 we, we call it the sort of, um. Uh, people getting very jealous of their neighbors yeah so yeah of course you look at what car your neighbor has and and that sort of thing but it's not you're not allowed to to sort of flaunt your wealth here in the in the social setting that's just frowned upon it's seen as
0: rude it's seen as like uncouth yes
1: yes absolutely (laughs) um it is it's tasteless. it and and nobody knows what they what their neighbor earns. you know, mm-hmm. you don't talk about money either. So wow, it's 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 a socially sort of a complete taboo subject. It's one of the things you don't talk about is is money and and religion. money and religion.
0: that's so yeah. that's so funny. Um, so a few years ago, Finland did uh, an experiment uh, where it gave people a basic guaranteed income for a trial period. And uh, there's a 2020 presidential candidate, Andrew Yang, former guest on this show, who has proposed this idea for America to help solve some of our poverty issues. Um, How did the experiment work in Finland? How did people feel about it?
1: Well, you know, we don't actually know yet. Mm. Um, The the final results are are due next year. So we only have very, very preliminary results from that study. Um, But just to sort of explain very briefly why it was done is yeah. the government here has been looking for ways um, and is still looking for ways to make people more active. So try and find different ways for to, for to get people to take on part-time jobs, you know, join the, you know, gig economy, you know, in addition to what they already do. And because Finland has this generous welfare state it also means that comes with a lot of red tape so a lot of people if you're if they're on like unemployment benefit they're really reluctant to do um any extra work because sure. they fear the bureaucracy is going to be so hard but also what it could mean is it could just mean suddenly that you you did an hour you know one day of work and then the authorities decide that you're not going to get paid your unemployment money until they figure out whether your work was uh, according to the rules or not. And okay. so there will, you know, the people fear that they will end up without no, without any money for a month or two. Yes. Just for taking one day's work. And so the universal basic income, what it tried to do is study whether people would become more active if they were given this extra money.
0: More active, uh, or, like you know, in was... the economy or more active? Yes. like oh, Okay, cool.
1: Yes, so take on jobs or what would people do? right? Basically, what would they do if they were given this money instead of these various means tested benefits or various you know unemployment benefits? Mm-hmm. If you just literally, if you just got that money
2: mm-hmm. given to
1: you every month, no strings attached, what would you do? And this is what they're still trying to sort of find out what 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 did it lead to? Um, the preliminary results we already got. And those showed that um, people were not more active, but they were happier. Really? What did they use it for? Well, it, it, it wasn't a lot of money. It was maybe, I think I need to check the num- number, maybe 500 or 600 euros.
0: Sure. Um, That's still extra uh, money. Though. A month. Yeah,
1: exactly. It is, it's a bit of extra money. But I mean, a lot of people probably would have paid their rent or something.
0: Yeah, like um, it was less that people were like willing to do more stuff and more that they were just like, I can pay my rent and now
1: I'm happier. <laughs> and that's yeah, it. I don't have that stress. They measured kind of perceived levels of stress, I think, in the study. And yeah. people didn't feel as much stress as the control group.
0: Yeah, I mean, that makes total that makes total sense. I guess, yeah, the idea here in the U.S. too is that people would be more active or or even like be more, not even willing to take jobs, but be more creative or be more, um, be like, you know, spend more time on their hobbies or things like that. But those little things like absolutely affect how you do your work or how you do your, your day job because you aren't stressed. You aren't burnt out. You're like, you know, your mind has time to focus on other things. I mean, I was just talking, we were talking to my friend in Switzerland and Like, what is what is Finland's take on, you know, time off or mental health days or, you know, uh, trying to, like, manage burnout? Is there such a thing as burnout?
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, because a lot of a lot of that is probably what sort of. Well, people—I don't want to say what people do to themselves, but you know, if you set high expectations for yourself mm-hmm. and you don't meet them, then that you're more of a candidate for, for burning out. But mm-hmm. um, uh, holidays here tend to be pretty long. Nice. Um, I think people have about thirty days a year paid holiday, and in a lot of workplaces here, what you can also do is they they pay you the so so-called um, holiday bonus. Mm -hmm. which is money that you get when you come back from holiday originally was conceived as you know literally paying people so that they'd come back to work and not (laughs) during their holiday find another job Um, but then it just became a sort of established part of you know your pay and your the way things work Um, and a lot of people what they do is they swap their holiday bonus for more time off Oh, nice. so some people can have even you know you know, more than six, maybe you know, seven, eight weeks of holiday in a in a year. Oh my god! Which, yeah, and that's paid holiday. Wow! So, um, yeah, so it it it's very generous.
0: Uh, how open is Finland to making room in their economy for foreigners? Like, can you find a job in Finland? Like, if I just moved over there without speaking Finnish or Swedish or or Norwegian or, um, mm. you know, the other countries in the area too. How open is it to
1: to for a foreigner to find a job there? <laughs> not open enough. A lot of people say. I mean, that's again a huge debate here. But if um, you, you speak with any economist, they basically say that without immigration, um, the sort of public finances are just not sustainable here. So we need. To to have to be for people to move to Finland mm. um, to even support the economy um, to keep it on the level that it is now. Um, if you want economic growth, um, then you need even more of that. Now, not a lot of people don't agree with this. Um, there is, you know, political parties uh, against immigration, um, and the rhetoric can get. Quite harsh. Sure. Um, but to be honest, it is probably not very easy to get a job in Finland if you don't speak Finnish and it's a very hard language to learn. Um, <laughs> in the service industry in the big cities, you know, there are cafes where the wait staff will only speak English. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and the other thing is if you're like a games designer or you're an IT engineer, you're probably going to find a job. Sure. Um, but, you know, in the sort of, if you were like a nurse, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to get by without finish.
0: Right. Sure. Um, it's so, yeah. You know, it's lovely that xenophobia happens everywhere. <laughs> Truly remarkable.
1: <laughs> um. Yes, it, it does seem to be varying its ugly head everywhere. Everywhere.
0: If I, so just a couple of rapid fire questions. I'm just curious, like, if you go to a bar and and get a beer or something, what what does that usually cost?
1: Maybe about 7 or 8 euros. Okay, what is that in dollars? Just a little bit more. So it is kind of an expensive.
0: So it is it is sort of like a like a New York City or like a where yeah, 7 like,
1: dollars, uh, 7 euros is like $8. So, yeah.
0: Okay. So kind of like what it would cost in in New York versus like let's say the one time I went to Cincinnati and a beer was two dollars and I lost my mind.
1: <laughs> yeah. And was like we yeah. all have
0: to move. <laughs> um and then like what's what is what's like a usual rent let's say for like a one bedroom apartment?
1: Um one bedroom apartment. Well that depends where you are but sure. Helsinki that'll be about eleven hundred dollars.
0: Well that's not bad. That's similar to like LA kind of And then, okay, so my last question, because I'm always super curious about this when I talk to people outside the U.S. is like, what is the Finnish impression of America right now? Like, what's what is their impression of how an American acts or what how Americans spend money or what are what our lives
1: are like? If you happen to see the press conference that that Donald Trump did that with the Finnish president, Uh um, I think, you know, the look on his face will explain a lot.
0: (laughs) The Finnish president's face. Yes, I think I remember that because it was I think very... he went
1: viral for it. He
0: did. Yeah. And honestly, like it it's, this is not the time to keep a straight face. This is the time to look exactly like that, I think. Well, like, I mean, I is it this it, are we all being judged sort of by our government or is it like do you guys just I, I've had people be like, oh, you know, you know, like you guys are like the Kardashians or you guys are like uh you, you're flashy. So I'm just curious always, like, what, what opinions are of, you know, of what it's like to live here or what, um you know, what it's like to be American or what we value.
1: Well, some of the things that come up in the public debate here when the U.S. is discussed is um, the dynamism of the U.S. economy, um, the innovation, how sort of unparalleled um, as an economic force the U.S. is.
2: Oh.
1: And... That, you know, people do watch and read a lot about the US domestic debate, um, the political debate here as well, um, and want to understand that. But often, in economic terms, especially what is often referenced is kind of uh, the American dream and how that, you know, led the US to build this massive economy uh, where it just you know, new companies are born, new ideas are born. Um, These are the things that are often discussed.
0: Oh, that's sort of positive. Is there sort of anything else that as someone who works for Bloomberg and is based out of Helsinki that like that you think Americans should should know about Finland or that like, you know, a stereotype that we should dispel here on the podcast?
1: No, I, th- I think um well, Finland is not one of the northern states uh next to Minnesota, which <laughs> i I have been asked about. Oh no, um, and we don't and we don't have any polar bears here either. Oh no, um, our education system but- is not good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh no <laughs> Thank you so much, Kadi. Thanks, Gabby. Uh, take care. bye. you know, I don't know if Finland is for me. My Duolingo app would tell you that I'm not great at learning new languages, so I couldn't make money to support myself. But it's funny that I would be coming in as this foreigner from a land that they view as the land of the American dream, unparalleled innovation, ingenuity, and then also from a place where apparently most people think Finland is inside Minnesota. So wow. Is Nowhere good? Hey. Thanks for listening. Tell all your friends about us and share this episode with them. If you like the show, please rate and review us. And make sure you're subscribed on Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. Bad With Money is produced by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our audio engineer is Brendan Burns. Our editors Andy Christens. And our supervising producers Josephine Martarana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Original music is composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen. Our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera. Bad With Money is a production of Stitcher. I'm Gabby Dunn, and I will see you next week because we're not finished here. We might be Gabby Dunn, but we're not finished. I'll show myself out.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun...